You're listening to the Future Composer Podcast, a show that empowers composers, musicians, and artists with knowledge. Now, here's your host, John Presley. Pedro Bronfman is a Los Angeles-based composer with a truly global perspective. Born and raised in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, he graduated with honors from Berklee College of Music and quickly moved from session musician and producer into the world of composing. Pedro has recently worked on the music for the video game Max Payne 3 and the score for MGM's reboot of RoboCop. In 2015, he composed the music for the Netflix original series Narcos and has currently completed its second season. Pedro, it's great to talk with you today. Welcome to the Future Composer Podcast. Thank you, John. It's great to, to speak to you. So I'd like to start off with you painting a picture for the audience. Walk us through a perfect day of composing music where everything goes right for you. What does that day look like? Wow. Is there such a day out there? <laughs> it's a hypothetical. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I mean, first of all, let me preface it with saying I, I love what I do and, and being able to make a living doing this every day. I should be thankful and say that every day is the perfect day, right? I know a lot of people are out there are trying to make it in the business and, and doing music just for music. So, so to get paid for it is, is, is just a blessing. I'm aware of that. But our business does come with a lot of deadlines and a lot of stress and a lot of people that you need to talk to, a lot of emails you need to respond and conference calls and spotting sessions and, and all of that. So I, I don't find myself, myself ever in a day where it's just, well, I guess some days you can just write. And, but even those days, you're still worried about, at least I am, I don't know if everyone, but worried about deadlines, worried about whether this cue is, is what the producer and the director were looking for. Or maybe one wanted one thing, the other one wanted a different thing. So how do you please everyone? So uh, I guess it's, it's hard to, to have a, a perfect day, but I guess if I had to think of one, it's the day when you turn, turn on your studio and everything is working because that's always a, a big issue if uh, sometimes, you know, plugins don't work or you have technical difficulties or, uh, and a day that, that ideas are just flowing that you feel, I mean, I always try to set goals for the number of cues or the number of uh, whatever I need to, to get done that day, if it's a film, how many cues in that reel, how many, or if it's a if it's a TV show, how many cues do I need to complete that day to make it to the tight that deadlines that we're usually dealing with. But uh, and something else that I always say, the best days for me is the day I get the gig I really wanted, and then the day it premieres. I think those are the best days, and in between there are several great days and and not so great days but uh it's like i said it's a blessing to do what what i do and and what as composers are uh, film composers are, are able to do and make a living doing it well i love how grateful you are for the opportunity that you've had and and that you've made it to this point and and gratitude is definitely a great perspective to have i'd like to know more about what it was like growing up in brazil and your musical background what can you tell us about becoming a musician, the hours of practice, learning and kind of perfecting your talents? Uh, I've always been obsessed with music um, from a very young age. My mom, uh, she always told me she wanted to be a singer. And my, my grandmother actually went to the conservatory for piano and she studied it. Then she became a doctor later on. She was one of the first doctors in the south of Brazil, actually. So she she changed career paths a little bit, but she was very musical and she loved the piano. 
so I started asking for my first guitar. I think I was eight or nine years old and nylon string guitar, like Brazilian guitar and started playing, playing it right away, but didn't really get into lessons until 12 or 13. By then I could actually play some guitar, but just my own way. And I would find out later that, that, that helps me a lot actually to just explore new instruments that I have no idea of how to, how to tackle them. But uh, going back to that, so I, I became a really big jazz freak from a very early age, from like 13, 14 years old. I, I wanted to be uh, Wes Montgomery or Joe Pass or Jim Hall. I wanted to be, a, I, w- I was studying like really cold trans- transcribing Coltrane solos and Miles solos, this, the, the easier ones, of course, by 15, 16. I really wanted to be a player. That was my, my focus. And I was also doing arrangements and starting to study like harmony and and um, some composition, but but lightly. And until I went to to Berkeley, and in Berkeley, I really got, I, I really started realizing. I mean, not only how much I loved playing, and uh, but also the the other side of things. I mean, the compositional side. I had no idea I'd be in film scoring ultimately, so I didn't take a single film scoring class. I think they already had a film scoring program back then. I went to Berkeley uh, from '94 to '90, end of '97. So. Uh, but I was studying composition, uh, arranging, and and performance. I had a basically a dual major of uh, performance, which was my primary focus, and composition, which became somewhat my primary focus towards the end of the, those four years there. And uh, just the experience at Berkeley, not only learning from the the teachers, but but from the students, playing a lot of different you know uh, sessions with with different groups I got a lot more into Brazilian music even being at Berkeley because once you're away from your from your music you realize how rich and how much people value it outside and how naturally good you are or instinctual you are playing it so I I, I went deep into Brazilian music when I moved to the US uh, deeper into that than before when I was actually just looking at jazz and and primarily 1950s and 60s jazz when you talk about growing up in Brazil, you know, we have that stereotype of Brazilian music uh, from our perspective here in the U.S., but it sounded to me like you were getting a really well-rounded education in music. Was that something that was common with people you were around, or was it, were you kind of an outcast in trying to get all these other things? Because like I said, we have that stereotype of Brazilian music, yeah. and that's all there would be, but obviously there was more opportunity to learn down there than, than just the expected sounds. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I mean, the, the the landscape in Brazil is so vast. The musical landscape, speaking, I mean, you have, of course, a f- big focus in in percussion and in and uh, it's so rich with rhythms and the whole influence from from uh, Africa and the rhythms from Africa that the slaves in Brazil that were brought as the the Africans that were brought as slaves into Brazil and they bought, brought the dance and they brought the capoeira, which is a a Brazilian dance that that it's actually an a martial art but it's not there's no contact and that 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 muse that has a lot of richness and musical richness richness to it too but i think brazil is is it's it's an interesting i mean you have samba which is very simple and it's mostly rhythmic but you have the bossa nova that harmonically is some of the the most sophisticated music you ever it's usually simple melodies but really rich harmonies and they derived a lot they took a lot from from jazz i think even jean gilberto the the main and tom jobin the ba- the main bossa nova guys they were they were early on playing uh with uh 
Chad Baker and with a lot of them, they actually influenced each other. I think the the way of singing that Chad Baker used to, the way he was to sing really soft voice, that influenced the bossa nova a lot. And I think a lot of the the bossa, the rich harmonies, and were also coming back here. And Stan Getz invited them. They made, he made several records with Brazilian players. So there is a very sophisticated side to Brazilian music that usually doesn't travel as much, you know. But if you if you are a big study of of Brazilian music, there's there's a lot of really sophisticated and even even not big orchestras, but like somewhat orchestral, smaller groups. Uh, just like in Argentina, you have tango also played with with smaller groups. We have um, a rich tradition of of um, good and sophisticated music as well. Even though lately it's mostly, I think, what, what travels more and what you think more about Brazil is 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 the party music. It's the samba music. It's the rich rhythms and people dancing and. And uh, but but we have a, a strong tradition of of jazz and Brazilian jazz and bossa nova and 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 yeah, I, I was somewhat of I mean at thirteen and fourteen, usually my my friends weren't listening to jazz. To be honest, they they were listening to American pop music and some Brazilian rock. So I was somewhat not not an outcast, but I was listening to different a different type of music. But at the same time, I got to play rock and roll so I had the band with friends playing rock and roll and I had several different interests that I musical interests that I think ultimately be it's really rich for a, for a film composer you know to to be versed and to have had experience in in as many types of music and with as many instruments as many different group formations and sizes as you can possibly have cuz in the future it'll pay dividends for sure Absolutely. So when you were studying at Berkeley, I think it's ironic that you weren't studying anything about composing for film. And then you move kind of from musician into composing, which is a really common thing now, especially a lot of musicians, people listening to this as well, are interested in composing, coming from that maybe more musician background. Tell me how you really had that light bulb go off where you said, oh, I, I might be a composer, actually. How did that happen for you? It took a few a few years. I think initially I, I was really interested in in writing uh, jazz pieces and writing for, and then arranging them for big band or arranging them for small jazz ensembles. And I did start to study uh, uh, counterpoint and traditional harmony and get more into more interested in classical music, which as a, a teenager wasn't my. I mean, I I like to listen and I I my my dad is a big classical music fan, so I did. I used to go to concerts and and but it wasn't really my focus as far as as study. Um, but I think it took several years after that. I think at Berkeley, I I realized how much I loved writing my own music and how much I wanted to be able to arrange it for different groups and for for big band and to be able to write and to be versed in 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 different styles. But I still wanted to primarily be a player, and I moved back to Brazil after Berkeley. And started playing in a lot of different groups, but mostly instrumental music. But I did play with singers in 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 Brazil as well. And I started being like a musical director. I had my own band where I was playing my own my own music and uh, and arrangements, and that was fully instrumental. And then I started producing records and and being spending more time in the studio and that side of things started fascinating me more. I had never used the computer for for music at all until I was like twenty. Two years old, I think. Uh, it was all 
written or or just played or just jammed and it was about the instruments and not about the the computer and and that shift began around that time when I came when I went back to Brazil and I started seeing that you could record I mean it was that was almost not 20 yeah like 18 17 years ago so it was also the the beginning of being able to use, do music in the computer but it, it was already mind blowing to me that oh you, i can do it myself and i can start so i i think that shift it took several years for me to realize that actually i, I enjoyed more spending time in the studio and writing or arranging my own music uh than touring with different groups which seemed to always be what i wanted to do growing up that was the the dream and then once you start doing it, i'm like i don't know if i'm cut out for this i'm a day per i'm i like to wake up early and work during the day and now i'm touring and 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 in brazil also instrumental music was very tough at the time so i had i was playing with like 50 60 year old guys really good musicians work totally jaded and saying oh i can't do this anymore if i play with another singer or if i do <laughs> or uh, we were playing jazz restaurant gigs or touring and uh, and it's like i don't i started wondering is this what i want for myself really i'm not but still i had no idea that that film would be my my world that didn't happen until i actually moved to la in 2001 and I, I met my my now wife, but at the time girlfriend, and uh, in Brazil, and she's she was obsessed with film, and I always I've always been obsessed with film. I mean, to this day, I remember watching Cinema Paradiso when I was thirteen years old in the movie theater, and just coming out and with that music in my head and that that movie, and being so passionate about it. But I never put two and two together and thought, oh, maybe I can do that for a living. It just never occurred to me really that that I that I could have a career in film. So when we moved to to LA and I was primarily wanting to be a producer and a and a composer and arranger and session musician and tried to do it all here here in LA, my wife got into UCLA film school and everyone needed music and I was I knew how to write for orchestra I knew how to write jazz I knew how to play a lot of instruments and I was starting to make my own music in the in the computer so I just started making all of those those short films and and little films that they were making at the time uh, I met Jeff Rona who who was a doing a lot of TV and I started, I did some additional music for, for for him and just seeing how the studio operated and how what he did also inspired me a lot. I started doing a lot of trailer music with a friend of mine who was uh, the music producer and Ann Farm and commercial music and one thing started leading to the other and just um, I, I realized wow I found myself this is what I this is what I want to do to be able to just explore all the musical education, not only formal education, but playing several different styles of music and explore all of that and bring all of that into something that I'm passionate about and that has to do with film that I also, that I've always been a, a, a film freak, but just I somehow, I don't know, I feel dumb now, but somehow I didn't put two and two together before. <laughs> so it's all worked out now and you've scored video games, movies, commercials, and more, really a wide range of projects. I'd love for you to tell us about the difference between these mediums, you know, whether it's the deadlines, the budgets, the requirements, who you're working with, you know, it's such a great portfolio of things that you've done, but they're obviously all different in techniques and things that you need to do to make, uh, to make your, uh, your client happy. Sure. Yeah, yes, yeah, it certainly is. And you're dealing, and not only that, even within the same medium, if you're doing a film, if I'm doing a film in Brazil or if I'm doing 
which I was lucky to, to, to work on the reboot of RoboCop. It's just such a different scope and size and budget and people that you're responding to and having to please. And it's, it's, it's just, it's so vast that I, we could pro probably spend hours just on this subject. But, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can, lightly touch touch on it and and discuss and definitely i think st working with commercials and trailers in the beginning of my career and and a lot of music library to definitely made me learn the computer more and how to use it and how to produce good sounding music with i always try to add uh live instruments on top of anything i'm doing so it's not exclusively midi but of course at the time it was one or, or two uh, live instruments, and then we had the the, the well, unless it was something specific like a Brazilian bossa nova that they needed, then I would do it probably all live. But if it had anything to do with the orchestra, it was in the box. So those years were very important to me in in becoming better in the computer and learning this instrument that I hadn't, like I said, I hadn't come to until I was like 22 years old. I mean, I used computers for emails and for browsing the internet, but never for music. And and to be honest, without it nowadays, I don't think I could have done, I mean, and most of what I, what I did, it, it, I would have been very restricted without the computer because my process is entirely, I mean, I, I usually start with live instruments and then, uh, and then I go into the box but uh, but I think those years doing commercials and trailers really made me prolific made me know that I could output a lot of music in a short amount of time that I was good in doing I mean I'm not John Williams in writing for an orchestra of course not even close and I'm not the but I have a, a unique way of using the orchestra mixed with some ethnic instruments or with different instruments and I ha I think I have my own my own voice so I think those years were also uh important in developing this and developing my my voice and my style and how I go about a project and then I started uh since I was here in, in Brazil people are very much aware of the Brazilians that are here so I started getting calls or I used to go to Brazil and go to the, all the production companies and say look I live in the US I know how to do um, I know how to score for for film and for the, not as much as I mean you can have a brilliant musician in Brazil and hire him and maybe he won't know how what the music needs to do for a film or how it needs to support it and that actually started working out even though I probably didn't really know I, I was telling myself as I oh I know what I'm doing this I know how to score movies better than than most people here in Brazil so bring me and then I started actually getting called to do the the movies in in Brazil and. And that made me even more, I mean, movies to this day is my primary focus. I mean, of course, a, sh a show like Narcos is almost like a 10-hour movie. So it's absolutely, I'm, I love the show and, I'm, and I get as much from it as doing a movie. But that's, that's my, movies are my, are my main passion. And so I started, I was lucky enough to start doing documentaries and, and movies there. And before that, I had done some TV for, for Jeff Rona, like I said. So I had done some documentary, TV documentaries for ESPN and started to get my, to, to understand that aspect, even though, although I was doing it for someone else. So I wasn't really dealing with the business side of things. I was dealing with, with whoever was hiring me to write additional music and just, he was giving, they were giving me feedback and I was, um 
producing the music they were. And then once I started getting into the Brazilian films, then I was dealing with the producers and directors and understanding how that relationship works and how that back and forth works. And then one thing just led, led to another. Some of the movies I did to, in Brazil traveled here, and then I started getting some documentaries, uh, some cool documentaries here. I did one for, for HBO that had the Brazil connection. It was about this, this uh, non-missionary uh, that was killed in the Amazon and uh, for HBO documentaries and and just started playing both sides you know going to Brazil to do some of the big films in Brazil and then doing some smaller things here and and then uh, the director I worked with a lot in Brazil and I did the, the Elite Squad movies in Brazil which were are to this day the biggest uh, franchise in, in Brazilian history the biggest box office is Elite Squad 2 that movie really opened doors here and 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 he got to do, he was hired to do Robocop and then was able to, to bring me along. And that just threw it, I mean, threw me inside a whole different uh, can. Of, I mean, I, I had no idea what I, I, I imagined and I heard horror stories. It ended up not being as, as, as bad as I, I had heard about. And it wasn't bad at all. It was a magnificent experience, but it's just so stressful. You're dealing with, with a lot of people that you need to please and a lot of music that you need to output. And I wasn't really a respected uh, Hollywood composer. If I am now, I don't, I don't know, but I wasn't. So the studio was always like, who is this guy? What is... Uh? And in the end, everything turned out great and everyone, it seemed to be unanimous that everyone lied that I served the movie and I did exactly the music that everyone was looking for whether that pleases fans or critics and and studio that doesn't matter I'm there to serve the the film and I had a, a lot brief experience with uh, I mean I had one experience with video game we did I uh, did some music for for Max Payne and I did a lot of the Brazilian the inception of the video game I think it all started with me and then they decided to 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 venture into a more rock and roll and bring a band and then they brought health and they used some of my tracks with with health but it's just a so it's such a different world video game where you're not actually scoring the scene you're just creating tracks that that have the mood of that of that uh phase of the game and they have to loop and they have to have different intensities it was really a, a major learning experience to get into the the video game world but it was really brief to be honest and then narcos just brought me in f into the the more uh high profile if you can call it tv i mean it's it's streaming it's uh, netflix and it's like i said more like a 10-hour movie than than actually doing tv i imagine i don't know because i haven't done serialized tv for regular networks or um but it's uh, it's just it allows you i mean it opens up a whole new world where you have so many characters that you can get give themes to and will pay off later on in the show if not in the first episode or you're just you're just scoring a, a much bigger arc and 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 you have opportunities to do a lot more with themes and specific characters that you can't do in a two-hour movie or you'll confuse yourself and the audience you know if you start giving everyone a theme and you have too much music diversity it, it just gets messy and and in a tv show you're 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 able to expand it a little more and and create more themes and and be with with character different characters as the the show moves along tell me you know give me some advice that applies to any artist or musician who's trying to balance creativity versus stress they've got to output some great music but they've also got to make sure that the business side is happy and that they're paying the bills 
and that they're answering the emails and that people are, are pleased with your work. So tell me, how do you walk that tightrope just in general? Yeah, I, I think for me, I'm lucky that that I think the stress and and that might be a thing that, that you hear from a lot of different composers and it's definitely things I've heard before from other people that sometimes film composers have this specific personality where stress helps it doesn't block you know and where and where they're able to just sit down and they don't need to wait for inspiration it's more trans transpiration our work than inspiration you know it's sitting down every day outputting uh of course things that i mean it, there's no point in outputting eight minutes of music a day if you don't like any of those eight minutes but as much as you can do that's as good as you can do that's usually what's required of a of a film composer and then you have also the side of of first of all realizing that you're not doing music for for music itself i know a lot of uh, kids nowadays getting out of school, they're all oh, film scoring because the record business isn't, uh, it's, it's such a difficult business now, unless you're a major recording artist, it's just so hard to break through. And so a lot of people are getting into composing because that's basically the, the way they have, they think they have to make money. And it's, but it's such a competitive field. It's, 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 it's hard to break through in this field too, but, but it does require a specific, uh, personality, you know, where I, like I said, being able to deal with stress, being able to, to output as much music as you can, that the inspiration is usually doesn't come when you're sitting down, but it comes from the years that you spent, uh, playing different instruments, tweaking with different music and just learning how to arrange for, for big band or to write for a, for a small orchestra or to do, I think all that experience, if I can, if you, if we're speaking to kids that are not even in school yet, what I can say that is that it, just explore as much as you can, you know, as many different styles, just grab instruments that's what i do now a lot grab instruments that i've never played before or just bring them into the studio and find my way of playing them of course i also bring i mean expert uh instrumentalists and if i needed a cello played or if i need a percussion uh, i'll bring the, the top guys or try to work with the top guys but sometimes just the discovery of you playing a new instrument that you've never played before and getting different sounds than most people who are actually proficient in that instrument and then bringing that into the computer and being able to edit and play around with it and create these 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 software instruments or it, it's just the, the technology is is bound boundless now right but going back to what to what you you had said I mean, ex ex explore as much as you can with, with different styles of music. Don't be cl uh, closed down by, oh, I want to be a film composer. I want to do just everything. There's so much TVs where I think the, 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 the real, I mean, there's so much good TV happening now. And, and the film world seems to be, you, they do the, each, each time it's like the bigger films, the bigger films, the bigger budget films. And it's really hard for someone getting out of school to break, to break into that. It's really hard for someone in this profession for 25 years to break into that, let alone someone getting out of school. So score as much as you can. I mean, it's a specific talent also to be able to support image i don't think it's you can be the best composer ever and write music that's a hundred times better than my music but maybe my music works for the film in a, in in a better way than than your music you know and that's that's what's important here that's what i have a full understanding that my profession is about is serving the picture is serving 
the director primarily in film and I guess in 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 uh, in TV sometimes it's the showrunner sometimes it's the producer and and all those relationships you learn as you navigate through this and you deal with agents and you deal with with managers and you deal with music supervisors and it's it's really a learning every day is a learning experience there's so much to learn besides the music itself where you also never stop learning so it it can be overwhelming if i start to 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 uh, state but i think it's a natural progression you just start one day at a time, write good music and work in as many short films as you can if you're getting out of school. And sometimes the route of working for another composer is, 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 seems to be the way a lot of kids are going now to be assistants or additional music for other composers. I did very little of that, and so I had my way of doing it most, most of the way through. It's, it's always been myself and even now when i write music i usually i mean i have some people who 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 help me but i try to have as little additional music or as to to really have my hands in what i'm doing as much as i can and 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 not of course sometimes when you have multiple projects and things overlapping you always have to need you need people that you can count on but uh who knows what's your way i mean there's no not one way to 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 make it in this industry some people say it's only working for other composers and and uh, but I meet a lot of people who who have done it on their own and and maybe have a more unique voice or are able. You, I mean, you can't really really know. But those, I think, that's the the advice. If I made any sense, that's the advice I can I can give. I think there's a lot of great advice in there, and really a consistent theme that you touched on that I've heard time and time again through these interviews is that you're there to serve the director. You're there to serve the person you're working for. And so if you're just there to make make great music, then you can make that great album on your own, but you're there to make sure that, that uh, the person you're writing music for the film, that you're doing the best you can for that individual project. No, and I was just going to compliment, and and I think it takes time and experience also to be able to understand that and to detach from from your music as much as when you're a kid doing your first pieces, you're so in love with or or so fragile about what you're doing that if you get oh no no that's not the direction let's try something else it's just so so you know hard for you to the next day go and sit down again it's but painful that's, yes it's just part of our business you know that's just it's not uh, if you can take it. And I'm, le- I'm still learning that the least, I mean, it's not personal. It's not about your music. It's not saying they obviously hired you, so they, they want you for that. But maybe that direction is not the right one. So you have to be able to go back and try and try and try until you serve the picture or the director or the producer the way they're expecting it to be served. And it doesn't matter if you think a, a huge, beautiful, lush theme, a thematic score orchestral is what the film wants. If when you play it to the, the, the producers, they're like, oh, that theme there, that makes it sound dated. Let's take the theme out. I like the, the, the mood and the end. It, it's, it's all about, you know, you learning. Of course, the more leverage you have, the more you're able to push back. It's also not good to just be a pushover and lower your head and never actually fight for your artistic ideas. That's, I, I believe that's what they're hiring us for. So some, some pushback, some conversation. It's never a, oh, I hired you to do what I want, so do this and with you. You know, it's it's never like that. I feel like it's always a conversation. But ultimately, you're there to serve the picture. You're there to serve the scene, and and that's something you have to have very clear. You're not doing doing music for yourself. You're doing music for 
for other people. And to me personally, that's, it makes me a lot more prolific and a lot more productive. If I had to sit down every morning and write a, a symphony or write a, start a symphony or write a music, a piece of music for myself or write, I do so much less than I'm able to do when I know I have a scene, I have two minutes, this is the mood, this is the instrumentation we discuss, boom, let's go. And it's done and quickly, you know, I, I'm, I work that way really well. So I think I'm really fit for the, for this, for this profession. So as we start to wrap up, you know, I'd love for you to tell me about your studio, what types of instruments, hardware, software, really nerd out and tell us everything you can about your setup. Sure. Uh, I have, um, I have my, my home studio. So I have a, a guest house in the back of my, my home and where I, I have two rooms and, uh, I work primarily with logic, although we do have pro tools as well. I have, uh, Recently, I started about a year ago. I started using the Vienna VSL for for the templates. So we we have one computer running that, and I have a ton of of samples. Not only samples that are out there for you to buy, East West, and and all of those, but also we create. And I say we because me and and the the, the people who work with me primarily a, a guy who helps me a lot, uh, Juan Carlos Enriquez. He does the programming of the contact instruments for me. So usually, what I'll do in the beginning of a project, we'll do a big recording session where I'm just twinking, uh, tweaking, playing around with different instruments, and I try to start all organic. And I record as many lines, instruments. Uh, I'll bow guitars. I'll e-bow. Uh, different electric, uh, I mean, uh, steel string guitars, I'll play flutes, I'll play accordion, I'll play whatever it is, some things that I don't even know how to play that I think are within the realm of that project. And then we start an editing process, I highlight what I like, and we start editing those lines and creating actually contact instruments out of that. So since I discovered contact, my process just changed from night to day, you know, contact has really been a, a tremendous, uh, tremendous tool for me and for my my studio. And that's been probably two, three years ago is when I first came in contact in contact with contact. Right. But but lately, it's uh, it seems to be in every. I mean, I'm either using when I'm using the orche- more orchestral uh, samples, then I have VSL running the the template. Uh, and then I just open the contact instruments of our of my own library within the sessions sometimes, and and that's been terrific. As far as plugins, I mean, I'm not. Well, before we go to plugins, I want to ask you just a little bit more about sampling those instruments yourself. Uh-huh. When you talk about getting those kind of unique instruments and and setting the tone for whatever you're going to be working on in that process of of sampling those, are you sampling like individual notes on the instrument? Or are they kind of like improvisational lines? Walk me through that, and you're playing them back on a keyboard. Tell me how what exactly you're sampling it's all of the above if i have if i have already a uh, a, a progression a chord progression or a melody that i like i try to to play that melody in a lot of uh, different instruments but usually when it's a melody i'll actually play the melody again on top of the the cue when with whatever instrument i was playing or but yeah answering your question i usually sample long lines or effects or there's a lot of percussive effects in most of my music even in in robocop if you hear you the i mean you probably won't hear it but there's berimbau there's cuicas instruments that are usually percussion instruments that are usually related to samba uh but not playing samba of course they just have a sampling or a sound of or an effect of that the cuica doing something like that and i i cut that and i add it and i process it i put it with through reverb or reverse it or 
whatever it is. And somehow I feel that flavor is there and that makes it hopefully sound unique and different from everything else. I tend to not go to uh, Omnisphere, even though it's a, a f uh, magnificent tool. If you're a crush for time and you want you press one key in the key in the keyboard, sometimes you have this amazing pad coming out. But usually my pads are a, an amalgamation and a combination of yeah long notes that I sample. I, I bow different guitars, or I'll or I'll coleño different guitars. I'll I'll do pizzicato in a cello, even though I don't know how to play cello really, or I'll. Or I'll play a flute and just do an effect like a trill or things like that. And then those sometimes if you pitch them down an octave or if you uh, slow them down, I don't know, 25 BPM and, and you pitch them down and then you put them through, a, all of a sudden it becomes a pad. You know, something that was that was played or that was a trill, it can become a, a, a pad in the background. And uh, Narcos has a lot of bowed guitars. We spend a lot of time bowing every different guitar. You can, like the tiple, charango, ronroco, some uh, viola caipira, which is from Brazil. It's a 10-string steel steel string uh, guitar that, that has five double strings. So it's a 10-string guitar with a totally different tuning than you've ever seen. And I've played uh, that through. I, I used an ebo on the, on the viola caipira because it's a steel string. And sometimes letting the, the ebo, the electronic bow, uh, crackle the string a little bit so get some of the and some of that effect or... And then I'll just run it through. I'll, I'll open it, and and like I said, Juan Carlos sometimes will will program the instrument, and then I'll run it through effect through three effects, and then save that as a channel strip strip in Logic that I can just bring up over and over. And in a show like Narcos, we have our our main channel strips that that are doing pads or background on, on in almost every every cue. And if you hear narcos, a lot of people ask me, "Oh, it's such an interesting sound. It's you can feel it's organic and it's good, but it's it sounds like a blend of electronic and there's zero electronics in narcos. There's absolutely zero synth, zero everything was recorded here in the studio and it was just processed some of those ebowed long uh uh, line the uh, long notes and and bowing of guitars and everything was was recorded here originally and then turned into pads or turned into different effects and a lot of percussion effects of course and some brilliant per percussion by friends of mine who always who I always collaborate with I tend to use a lot of percussion whether the driving the long driving hard-ass percussion or just effects, shakers, um, and, and, and different things like that throughout the, the ambient, uh, just using it as tension-creating elements, you know. I think that's really cool, and, and you've touched on another theme that so many composers I've talked to have touched on is that you're creating your own sound and that, yeah, Omnisphere is great, you can press a button, it sounds fantastic, but people are shying away from that because so many people can pull on these sample libraries that to create something... I think that's amazing that people compliment it as saying there's something electronic about it, but that it's all organic and natural. So you're definitely um, making a great point there by creating your own sound and, and just creating those, even the way you're talking about creating just individual lines and using them in contact is, is a really unique approach and uh, is inspiring to me as well. So, yeah. And that, that, like I said, that changed my process from night to day. Now I can't imagine, I don't remember how I used to do it before then, but it is now creating that, doing that session and creating the sounds, the specific sounds I want for, for one project and knowing that everything that comes out of there 
is specific to that, it already makes something unique, you know, it already makes something that, that, that it's not, you're not going to hear it anywhere else or you're not. And, and Omnisphere, I mean, sometimes you can blend an Omnisphere pad with something you created and just create something new and then no one will notice that Omnisphere thing. But I think if you're, I mean, at, at a, uh, doing, shows at a high level or or a, or a, a film and they're hiring you to do something unique they're hiring a, i i can't see myself using a, just a, an omnisphere patch in the background or something that someone will say oh i i, I think i've heard that before i've been maybe i used it before you know it's not, i don't think it's it's uh reasonable i think you want to at least run it through plugins make it your own reverse the the sound or do do something or or but I mean, group a bunch of them in a specific way where no one will be able to tell what it is. But but to just play a button and and use that as your as your background when you're being hired to do something unique for a show. For me, at least, it feels it feels like cheating. Well, I've had several composers tell me they will not use Omnisphere even though they like it. So I don't think that they will be a sponsor on this program, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I have Omnisphere. I mean, I have all of their their plugins. Believe me, they're they're great, and sometimes they're useful tools. But I do try to, especially since, like I said, I discovered Contact, and I know how to create my own pads now. It's uh, and even doing. I mean, the, I don't know if you know of Diego Stucco, the 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 Italian. Yes, yes. Italian. But just watching those videos and seeing how he comes up with sounds and different things, and how he probably and he does the, the sounds for Omnisphere. That's right. why I mean, they sound. So, he's one of the guys who does it, of course. But those videos are so inspiring to me. Just being able to come to like I don't know. He records a, a bee flying and just the wings, and then he slows it down. Or by half speed, and then he pitches it down, and all of a sudden you have this weird sound. And just those expert experiments, I mean, they do take time, but I think they pay off in, in the end, and they really make you sound unique, which is something we, we all have to strive for, I think, in this business. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I just love all the advice you've given us, all the insight into your world, uh, your process, um, how you're still keeping in touch with your musical roots and moving forward in these new areas, whether it's streaming content or film. And there's just so much to for people to, to learn from that. So um, I just I just want to thank you for taking time to, to talk with us. And uh, we hope to hear a whole lot more from you in the future. I know we're going to. Thank you, John. It's It's been a pleasure. And it's refreshing to be able to talk about this side of things usually our interviews as you know as a uh, as a composer usually you're talking about you know people sometimes don't even know really what we do and so to be able to talk to on you know, a podcast to other composers and nerd out like you say or talk about specific things that that we do is, is certainly refreshing we don't get to do it every day yeah well it's definitely inside baseball so uh we appreciate appreciate all the insights so we'll talk to you soon pedro thank you so much thank you it's been a pleasure thanks You've been listening to the Future Composer Podcast. For more podcast episodes and in-depth articles, visit futurecomposer.com. To learn more about our host, visit johnpresleymusic.com.